0: Pand, panda, pan, I got bribes in the land. Just the lean of fan. Credit cards in the scams Hitting the licks in the van. legacies fan, way see, live like a pan. Going like I'm a tanner. Honey killers on the helmets. legacies fan, way see
1: fan. What's going on, everybody? My name is Steven. I'm the host of Talk Your Exposure. We this is episode two. Season 1, 2020 special edition, COVID edition, I should say. I got a very special guest with me today named Devon Usher, longtime friend, played with him on the same junior college team. He has a list of accomplishments that we're going to talk about today. Man, first of all, Devon, it's an honor to have you on the show, man. Thank you for coming out, bro.
0: What's up, Steve, man? Appreciate you, man. Definitely appreciate you inviting me onto the show. Um, I was looking forward to it. You know, we always been good friends since we met in college, so... Anything you need my support and help with, you know, I'm here for you. For sure. I appreciate that, man. I appreciate that.
1: Talk to us a little bit about what you, what you got going on during COVID. How's, how's everything been happening? I know you're a teacher these days, you know what I'm saying? So, so what are what, <laughs> some things that have been happening for you? How have you been adjusting to this new life?
0: Man, COVID's been tough, of course, um, with me now being um, a teacher in a high school and also a high school basketball coach. Um, It's really tough now because you really can't be hands on with your kids Mm -hmm. and you can't really keep an eye on those guys that um, really depended on you day in and day out to um, be there for them, even mentally, physically, or financially. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? So it's just kind of tough to not be able to be around my players every day and um, be able to help them and guide them because that's the main purpose of why I decided to coach. But um. We figured it out. We've uh, been having virtual clinics, meetings, and stuff like that. And uh, we've been having some workouts, so it's, it's it's getting better. But this is the new norm that we live in,
1: right? Yeah, I I know that. Uh, I don't know if you follow him, but there's a trainer from the United States named uh, Tyler Ralph, and okay. uh, he he's doing some some online workouts that he's giving to some players and stuff like that. Posting on YouTube, different things, kind of get the guys still still working out while being at home and. There's also another app that, that was there. I forgot what the app was called, but they, you could do the dribbling and everything and touch the hands on the on the screen and whatnot. Is that is that anything that you you did with your kids or what was some what was some methods you did?
0: Actually that's pretty funny because um we're actually out uh we're actually in the process of coming out with a, a workout fitness app. Okay. Um a hard over hype, we're coming out with a hard over hype fitness app whereas you can um, have drills on there. Any type of drills, ball handling, shooting drills, conditioning drills, and it's actually us working out and doing the drills for you rather than us working someone else out showing you the drills. Mm-hmm. Um, we're gonna be uh, cause a lot of a lot of overseas teams and programs and stuff use apps to work out their players and stuff. Like when I was in Australia, we used the app to train. So um, me and my cousin just came up with a method create our own app why not and reach out to these different people to possibly want to use our app so the different methods that we've been using for our online training i mean we, we did zoom uh we we've did um film sessions showing the guys film on youtube different various nba games and college games just trying to increase their iq just trying to do something mm-hmm. something you know what right. i mean to keep these kids focused during this tough time in COVID. Man, kids
1: don't even understand how important film really is. You know what I'm saying? I'm, it, it's, right. it's, it's, such, it's such a unique tool that everyone gets so mad about, especially when you get cussed out during film from your coach. But when you look at that, it's like, holy, maybe I wasn't really at my assignment that I should have been. And then exactly. the kids, you know, they start taking a step back and saying, well, goddamn, I need, maybe I need to slide over a little quicker. I need to, you know, maybe that really wasn't a good shot that I thought was a good shot. And uh, I mean, if you know all about that, we you and I both <laughs> you and I both definitely know all about those good old film sessions. But um, yeah. let's, let's, I'm, I'm definitely gonna talk about your H O H heart over heart a little, uh, or heart over hype. Sorry, heart over hype a little bit later. But right now, we wanna dive right into your basketball career and talk about how even you and I met. Um, you were in high school. You were you were what you were four-star fresh uh, a four-star or I was 3-star. I was 3-star. I was 3-star. Three 3-star. Three you know, um, you uh, low low, low recruitment, as you, as you told me. But you, you signed over to Polk State College. You were there for a couple years. Um, I'm not going to lie. If anybody knows, Davon, man, that was a bad man that didn't get a proper opportunity. Uh, you and I spoke about this all the time. You know what I'm saying? that. <laughs> right. uh, we, you, 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 you were that undersized 6'5 power forward, which I don't even know why you were a power forward at the time. I but in reality, though, but in reality, though, you actually kind of changed the game of, of how today is in the way and you actually were one of those players that could adjust into today's game as well. You know, you see those, those, those big guys or whatever case is and a lot of small ball now. So if you were playing today's game, you would definitely be playing maybe a power forward role. So my, my thing to, to you, my question to you is, first of all, what was your experience like, to, you know, to get to Polk? And then, and then what was your experience like when you were there?
0: Man, getting a poke was a eye opening experience to say the least. Um, because coming out of high school, of course, I was a three star, some people say four star athlete, and I played on one of the top teams in Maryland with uh Josh Shelby, Will Barton, um, Roscoe Smith, who won a championship at UConn with Kimball Walker. Um, we had two guys that went to Syracuse. We had a guy that went to Xavier, a guy that went to Maryland, Damn. a guy that went to Kansas, a guy that went to Memphis, and then we had uh, a guy that went to High Point. So mm-hmm. on a team of 10, we had eight people that got Division One offers. I had got my first offer from Texas a Corpus Christi. And before the senior year of high school, I signed with them. I was just excited to just be able to go D1, mm. and I never knew anything about the NCAA Clamber House or um, getting through that to go university. All I thought was if I graduate high school and a D1 school offered me, I can go there. Yeah. Um, summertime comes and I realize that I don't have enough core points to, for my GPA, for me to be eligible for Division one. So um, this was about August maybe, the first week in August. I was getting ready to leave for summer school for Texas A&M Corpus Christi. And um, my, dad is, uh, my dad is good friends with the old Towson assistant coach at the time,
2: mm-hmm.
0: um, Coach Jim Mills. And Coach Jim Mills contacted Coach Fajanic. I'm sorry. We got in contact with Coach Mills. And Coach Mills literally told my dad, he said, you have three options of where your son can go to school. He can go to junior college in Florida, Texas, or stay home in Maryland. So we sat in his office at the University of Towson. I told my dad, I said, "Um, I don't want to go. I, I, I don't want to stay home. i go to Florida. And Coach Mills got in contact with Coach Vajanek. Coach Vajanek never brought me on a visit. I don't even think he's seen any film. <laughs> he just heard word of mouth from another Division One coach and was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to take this kid. So me going into the situation at Polk, I don't know what I'm walking into. I just expect, like, I have no I have no fucking idea, bro. Like I'm walking into junior college in Florida. I've been to Florida a few times, never this part. So I get there first day, man. I remember this day like it was yesterday. It was like five of us in a ho- it was five of us in the uh apartment. We walk into the apartment, man. It is dead. Roaches, the mattresses <laughs> are filthy, the walls are black as hell, bro. Like <laughs> It looked like it was a trap house over the summer, and dudes oh, were yeah. selling drugs out of there. Mm-hmm. So Jarrell, you know Jarrell. He's all dramatic on the phone. Man, I'm leaving. I'm calling my mom. I'm going somewhere else. And mind you, I also got offered from Daytona State yeah. right when Polk offered me, too. And I had just hurried up and went to Polk. Soon as that happened, I called my dad. Like, look, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm not trying to stay here. This, this look terrible. So my dad was just like, man, you there now. You got to make the best of your situation. Mm -hmm. After that, my freshman year, I I moved out of my teammates' dorm and I moved into another apartment with my teammates where I had, my room was the living room. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Like, freshman year, it was freshman No, it was sophomore year, right? No, sorry, sorry, sorry. I got that
1: confused. I wasn't there freshman year, sophomore year. Yeah, sophomore it, year. Sophomore year. It was, it was Johnny, it was Johnny in the living room. You were, you were with Rel.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, I was um in the living room before you got there. It was um, it was me, Dion, and um, which uh 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 Jake. We lived in the mm-hmm. house together. This was my this is my sophomore year. Yeah, yeah. No, this is my freshman year. Cause sophomore year I was with Jarrell. Yeah. Yeah, freshman year, I moved out, stayed in the apartment with my other two teammates, and my room was in the living room. Mm-hmm. Like, I put a sheet up halfway in the living room to make that space my room. Yeah. Because it's like, I don't care. I'm going to figure something out. I'm going to make the best of my situation. All right, yeah. We fast forward to on the court at Polk, and Coach obviously doesn't know who I am. He has me playing a power forward. I'm a six six guard. I just averaged 27 in high school, on uh, Metro had four D1 offers, and you got me playing a power forward behind a bunch of dudes that I don't got no D1 offers or wasn't signed D1 before they came here. Mm. So I'm like, all right, I just got to work forward, favoritism. I can never get over the hump of being one of the coach's favorites. Like, I can never consistently be in a lineup. Um, I remember one time North Carolina Central came there my sophomore year to see me play. Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. I was there for that they took their scholarship away because I wasn't, I wasn't, I didn't, I didn't perform well. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. I didn't have that opportunity. My coach didn't give me that opportunity. And he knew that that was an opportunity that I really wanted. And, and that's, that and, and, really
1: so, and, so, and so sorry to cut you off there, but that's one thing I hate about coaches, bro. Like I I, I ain't got no hate towards, towards coach organic because, you know, I love coach organic, but at the same time though, like I just hate coaches that always, hold their people in line. You know what I'm saying? Like, they don't let them go shine. They don't let them go do what they want to do. And there's so many yeah. programs, even down here in Canada, too. Like, I already know in the United States, basketball is a business. You know what I'm saying? Basketball, football is definitely a business out there. But here in Canada, like, I hate coaches that just hold their kids the back, hold people Canada. back.
0: Yeah, it's the same thing in Canada because y'all have a lot of good athletes there to the surface of the public to America. So I can only imagine how many kids don't have that same opportunity out there to get that publicity. Like I know y'all got kids up there in them trenches and in the cities who can ball, who just don't got that guidance or really getting that push behind them. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I hated that too, because like a lot of stuff, like believe it or not, me going to poke was kind of like the best thing that ever happened to me because that opened up my eyes to what I wanted to do when I went to a university. Like I put in my eyes like, okay, I've experienced playing for an old ass white guy, and I've never played for a white guy before in my life. Not yeah. like, not saying I won't play for a white coach. You feel me? Because my coach in Australia was like one of my best friends. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And um, he was white, but it was. It's not about the ethnicity for me. It's just about the style of, and an approach to the game. Like, Janik was an old white guy who was still stuck in his old school ways yeah. and didn't adjust his style of play to his team. He wanted yeah. his team to adjust our style of play to him. Yeah. Like, he wanted us to play slow tempo, run a play every time down, no middle, help side defense, all that. He taught me so much on defense. Like, I was the worst defender when I went to Pope. Mm-hmm. But when I got to Mississippi Valley State, I led the Conference and Stills. And when I got to Delaware, I was first team on defense. Yeah. So sure. it was like you had me playing at the four. I averaged nine points and seven rebounds. When I was at Polk, I didn't have one offer after mm-hmm. my sophomore year. I literally used to go to the library every day. And you can witness this. And yep. sit in the library emailing coaches all day. Calling schools, going to the gym, we working out ourselves. Like, yeah. just you—you you trying to you—you you trying to build up yourself so you can get time for the following year and coach see your work ethic and see you putting in work and hopefully get your opportunity. And I'm putting in work. Just hopefully, I get an offer to D1 once I finish up and graduate. For sure, Mississippi Valley State. I remember saying Mississippi Valley State on TV, and. I was like, damn, they got eleven states on their team, but they was nice as hell. They was like twenty-five and seven, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh shit! that's said HBCU, I could play there, and they about to have all these players. All right, let me hit up the coach see what they' doing. Bro, hit up the coach. Coach ain't even offering me a scholarship. He was like, yeah, you can come. Um, but I, right. I straight, I commit, I'll come, I'll be there. Mm-hmm. I posted on my Instagram. I committed to Mississippi Valley State. All that. Like, I put in my head that I was going D1. Mm
2: -hmm. And when I
0: finally finished up school and did what I needed to do, I went there. And once I walked on a D1 campus, my whole mindset of approach with basketball changed. Mm -hmm. Like, in junior college, I kind of, like, shied back and just did what needed to be done to be on the court. Or, like, I didn't really put in as much work like i didn't work out as much i didn't get as, as much repetition like don't get me wrong In juco i feel like i worked out a lot i just couldn't show that in the game yeah and that's, oh, one, th- I- that's one that's one that's one thing i definitely
1: want to talk about as well But with the whole JUGO granted itself like for me obviously when i was there i kind of i kind of got you know the shit end of the stick i'm not gonna lie i definitely i definitely got i feel like i got kind of screwed over it taught me a lot but yeah. i thought I got screwed over you know to be honest with you but like for me what i learned what, about the juco grind itself was just you really gotta work bro because like for me i have always been a, a hard worker which i i know you can attest to but at the same time though like like i used to see you guys in the gym you know ralph sydney you uh uh rel jared uh jared 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 Jared, yeah, you Jared, yeah. Yeah, Joe, you know what I'm saying, even Johnny, you know what I'm saying, I used to see you guys in the gym two times a day, an hour before practice, you know, you guys were eating, I mean, I want to say you guys were eating the healthiest, but you guys were definitely working out whatever you guys were eating. I like to see that grind in itself though, like you guys definitely motivated me to even get in the gym more often than what it should be. And th- there are times, you know, I'd be in the gym putting up three, 400 shots by myself, you guys would come in, we all start putting up shots together, but that grind in itself, Kids don't understand how important Juco or how crazy Juco really is.
0: Man, I, I try to tell my kids this shit every day. Like, hey, Devon, I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know if you remember or not, but my dad actually just joined too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. What's up, man? How you doing? Mr. Corn? How you doing, buddy? I'm doing good, man. I can't call it, man. Good to see you, man.
2: Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. Yes. good things
0: like you. Man, I'm just trying to make it out here in this world, man. You know how it is.
2: Been a long time. Word, man, it's been some years, right? <laughs> so how's it going with you and all your uh, your ventures?
0: Man, nah, everything's everything's working out. Um, everything's going good. Um, a lot of people still wish that I was still playing, but I tell people all the time, like I never wanted to play basketball for the rest of my life. Like I always felt like I had a bigger purpose for like helping the kids in my community getting the same opportunities or try to have the same opportunities that I had with, like, just using my resources and stuff. That's pretty much how, like, I was just telling Steve, like, once I left Polk State, it was, like, every college that I went to, once I left that school, like, my mindset for, like, how to treat myself as a professional athlete just changed. Like, I never seen myself as a professional athlete when I was at Polk. Like, I was just a young kid, 18, 19 years old, just trying to make it, just trying to get to college and get some attention. But, like, when I went to Mississippi Valley State and, like, we was, like, the worst team in the league, but we had the hardest schedule in the country. And, like, me holding my weight against those top teams, like Old Miss, Northwestern, and uh, Cincinnati, like, big ACC schools, Virginia, Virginia Tech, and I'm still averaging 20. Against these schools, like just think about it. Like you coming from JUCO a year prior, not even starting, averaging nine points, and you go to a Division One. Y'all playing in, tw- in front of twenty thousand people, and your coach giving you the green light to really play through your mistakes, um, or show what you got. And I just had to show what I had. And I, like I, he didn't get. Like I didn't play through mistakes. I just showed what I had because I feel like I exceeded all those mistakes that possibly could tarnish me from getting in the game in Juco, like defense or like the extra hustle or the extra work or not hitting that shot when need to be or not getting over that hump or doing something that's going to keep you in the game for the long run. Like I just completely had to change up my whole game. And Mississippi, I already knew like I wasn't going to stay at Mississippi for two years. I just knew that all all I got to do is get the D1, any D1, so a good D1 can see me and I can possibly be a professional. So I was always setting up, I was always, up, it was always a plan. It was always a lesson after each venture. So, like, after Mississippi, we won five games, but I was top 15 in the country and scoring. So wow. my mindset now is oh, now y'all motherfuckers need me. Y'all motherfuckers want me. Instead of me calling y'all when I was in junior college, emailing y'all, calling y'all the same email. I promise you, it was like four coaches who emailed. I was in. When it was time for me to leave Mississippi Valley State, they were calling me. I had three visits in one week. Iona, Eastern Michigan, and Delaware. Um, Maryland offered me. Southern Miss offered me. Uh, and it was another school. But all Marquette offered me. But they all wanted me to sit out for a season. Now, me, I'm like, I'm not, first off, I'm going to my senior year of college. I'm not about to stay in college for another five years. You know what I mean? So I chose Delaware because it was close to home and they had a winning program already.
1: So, you, that, obviously, you know, we spoke about we spoke about uh, your junior your Juco experience. You've, t- you've touched on Mississippi State. Now, I want to talk about Delaware, to be honest with you, because like <laughs> you and I said, man, there's the times we're time talking. Definitely, man. It, it, your, your, your stats showed it, too. You know what I'm saying? You went from, like you said, in junior college, averaging nine a game. You went to Mississippi State Valley, averaged 18 a game. You went to Delaware, average 20 a game. You know, you shot the ball damn well. And I would just always tell you, and, and, and you can definitely attest to this, I, I used to always tell you, keep shooting the ball. Stop worrying what your damn coach tells you. Keep shooting the rock, bro. Because, yo, <laughs> people don't know us about you. But, yo, you, you could have shot 60% from the field mid-range. That mid-range jumper from the top of the key, or the corner of the corner of the key, corner of the, the, the corner yo, of the corner of the corner man that was that was, was, deadly, that was butter 95 100 percent of the time bro and I, I know I said 60 percent, but I might even have to raise that up to about 95 100 every time you shot that and like especially when you just caught in turned and shot that was you were not missing that and I used to always go home with, we used to always go home on the bus and, and and I'll tell you yo why do you not shoot that much why do you not shoot that much and you tell me, oh, for jam team off the game, for, for Janet, team up the game, and I'm and I'm looking at your stats when you're at Delaware, and I'm seeing, I'm seeing, forty something percent from the field goals, I'm seeing 85, 90 percent for free throws, I'm seeing
0: thirty something percent for three, and I'm like, yes, like yes opponent, that's what it should have been. I would just, I think, I think at, I think at, um, Pope, like I told you, like I kind of, I didn't lack confidence, but we had so many alphas on the team. Like, so many people that was complaining so much about not being able to shoot, not getting no time. Me, I'm just there, like, uh, I'm not going to complain. Whatever I need to do to stay on the court, I'm going to do. Like, if I got to take fucking four or five charges a game just to stay on the court, I'm going to do it. If coach say just shoot mid-range, I'm going to do it. Like, and to be honest, my confidence wasn't as high once I got to Mississippi and Delaware we were shooting at three because I actually changed my form mm-hmm. when I went to Mississippi. Like, I noticed that how I was shooting my mid-range in Juco, I wasn't going to be an efficient three-foot shooter shooting like that. Mm-hmm. So I had to completely change my forms for me to be able to get the ball up fast enough because I used to shoot the ball from below my waist when I was in Juco. Like, I used to bring the ball like I used to wind up and shoot it. And my trainer showed me this. He was like, you're never going to fucking get your shot off against people who are going to the NBA. You're never going to get yeah. your shot off against 6'6 six, six guys if you still shoot from your waist with yeah. a hand in your face. So I literally at Mississippi all summer when I was home. Or when I was in, I stayed in Florida for a summer. So I was down Mm -hmm. in Florida working out. And like it just changed up my whole confidence because I could get the ball up faster. And like as the season progressed, I could see my game developing. And once my game started developing, my confidence just went sky high. Like you come from just being the quietest guy on the damn team, even though everybody know you're on the team, you can play. And you got potential. It was like Perkins and Pajanik couldn't see that. Like, why didn't they see that potential in me and push me how they push Sydney and how they push Rob? I could have been at fucking Florida State. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I could have been at an SEC, ACC school. Like, when I, my whole two years in college playing against any Big East SEC or ACC school, I averaged more than 15 points a game. Right. Like, so it was like, I just wasn't, a, like, I didn't have the pieces around me at Mississippi, but I was in a perfect situation. Like, my coach let me do literally whatever the fuck I wanted. Like, I was having games where I shoot the ball 20 times, 25 times. But when the back in, I'm still playing defense, and I'm still averaging 25, averaging getting 40 points and stuff like that. But I don't like losing. I hate losing. So let's talk about Delaware. This is how I got to Delaware. So, Delaware wasn't recruiting me. They wasn't recruiting me in JUCO. They wasn't recruiting me at Mississippi Valley State. They didn't know who the hell I was. Mm-hmm. My friend uh, played at Delaware. He was a senior, going into a senior year. Meet, and he said that I was transferring. He literally texted me and said, bro, you want to come to my school? He said, bro, you trying to come to my school? And I'm like, uh, this ain't no, like, JUCO or no <laughs> NAIA. Like, how are you just going to ask me? Am I going to come to school? So I was like, yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to come. What's up? So he's like, all right, I'm about to have my coach call you. So the assistant coach called me, and we talked briefly. And um, literally, as soon as he asked me that I want to come to a school, I jumped on Delaware's site, looked at their roster, looked at their players and stuff, just to make sure that I wasn't coming into a situation where I could possibly take somebody's spot or have to be battling for a spot as a proven senior already. Like, No, I'm not going to say a proven senior, because I didn't prove anything. I didn't win no championships or anything. I just had personal accolades, which don't don't matter when you're trying to win. Yeah. So, Coach talked to me, brought me and my family up on a visit. I was already signed to Eastern Michigan at this time. I remember that. Like I signed to Eastern Michigan two days prior to this. Mm-hmm. So, I was like, um, I was like, uh, I got on the campus and we was in a restaurant and I seen on the menu it was like, Monte Ross. Buffalo wings. My coach had his own chicken wings in a damn restaurant. I thought that was so cool. So cool. I was like, oh, yeah, I'm coming here. I, I want to come here. I think I'm going to come here. <laughs> so I asked him. I asked Coach Ross. I was like, uh, so what are we going to do about Eastern Michigan? Because I already sat there. He was like, don't worry. We'll take care of it. So come to find out, all the fucking schools I visited, I, I own the Eastern Michigan. All them shits was illegal visits because my appeal for playing right away and to transfer and play right away wasn't approved yet through the SCAA so Delaware, Delaware and the
1: reason why you're, you're able to play at Delaware is because you were you were
0: uh, it's in the same state as you right No the only reason why I was able to play at Delaware right away is because my coach and them followed the proper rules and recruiting me I thought they wasn't recruiting me
1: they was uh, recruiting
0: me they just never contacted me mm, they had, had got they had wrote a letter to the NCAA saying why I was transferring to a school back home because I was having my, my oldest daughter.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know I me? Mean? So we used that so I can play right away. So my coach changed his whole style of offense solely for me. Like prior to then, they was playing three guards, two bigs. They could never get over that hump. They was averaging maybe 74 to 70 points a game, somewhere mm-hmm. in between that. I'm sorry, not no, I'm sorry. It was in between 58 and 64 mm-hmm. points a game like slow pace, slow pace. And my coach turned it up, and we averaged like 80-something points a game. I know we was top 20 in the country in scoring. We had three people that averaged 20, Um, four people that ended up playing professionally. And it was just like how they ran the program and like how we worked out, how I ate, stuff like that. Like once I went to D1, like I didn't, I wasn't eating fried foods like that. I wasn't eating carry out like how I was when I was in Juco. You know what I mean? like. Yeah. I was eating the proper way. We had a a real trainer with a workout plan rather than us going to the weight room. And we got damn Terrell trying to work us out and have us do stuff like this man works in the office. Why is he working us out in the weight room? That's how I hurt my back. Messing around in Zucco. I ruptured my desk. Mm -hmm. Um, I had a hernia desk. You know what I mean? So it's like Delaware just opened up so many opportunities for me. And then with us going to the NCAA program and just me having that, that year that I had and breaking records, like having the most points scored in a single season in Delaware history, having the most points scored in a back-to-back game in Delaware history. Like, it's just, I, it was just like unbelievable how many achievements and stuff that I did and so fast of a time. And the funny thing is, Delaware is in the same conference as University of Towson, mm-hmm. where their former assistant coach helped me start my college career. Because after Juco, I wanted to go to Towson. Yep. I was like, mm-hmm. I'm going to Towson. After Juco, Coach Mills sent me here. So as soon as I leave here, he's going to give me a scholarship. It, it, it's only right. Mm-hmm. And he had went overseas the coach. And he wasn't at Towson no more. So everything just, it was, playing at Delaware was like the best thing that happened to me. I got to meet, hopefully, the next president, Joe Biden. <laughs> I got to meet him. He invited us to the White House. I took a selfie with him, took pictures with him. So I'm,
1: so, I'm, so I'm, I'm, I'm guessing you're voting for Biden.
0: <laughs> uh, to be honest, like, yeah, because not voting is like voting for Trump, and we gotta get him, we gotta get him out of office, right? <laughs> like, Mr. Cohen. He's horrible, Mr. Cohen. Like, <laughs> I was just watching a documentary on Netflix about Donald Trump because I just wanted to see what type of guy he really was before he became like this, and if you watch that, like, you can. I'm not going to say I hate Donald Trump, but you can see that he only cares about the high class people, the rich. That's all. Like, he only care about the rich. Mm-hmm. Like He only care about people that's on his level. And that's kind of like where regular, like a regular Americans are day in and day out of their life. They only care about people within their level and tax bracket. Like, mm-hmm. we're not worried about, like, I, whatever tax bracket I'm in, I'm not worried about anybody that's richer than me. I'm not worried about anybody that's supporting than me. You know what I mean? But like at the same time, I'm a person that will help somebody that's not doing better than me. Mm-hmm. Donald Trump, uh, he only want to help those that's up so he can make money off of him and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> that, 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 that,
1: that's a whole other topic for another day
0: though. whole, whole other be. topic. Bro. A whole <laughs> other topic for another day.
1: That.
0: <laughs> but, um, <laughs> Delaware got me an opportunity to play summer league. Um. It got me an opportunity we'll, to go. We'll, we'll,
1: we'll, we'll talk about the Summer League in a second. We'll talk about the Summer League in a second. Definitely get to that in a second. But uh, I know that that, that Mr. Corwin would like to ask you a question. OK.
2: So, as you know, I've been coaching for a while. And to see somebody like yourself, so right now, you're you're the, are you the same age as Steven at 28?
0: Yep, I'm 28. Yep, I just turned 28 in August.
2: <clears throat> so take me back when you were 13, and 14. And I'm not accusing you of anything, but I've seen a lot of people be this. And you thought you were you were it, and you were cocky, and you're an ass. I'm not saying you were, but of the amount of kids that I've yeah, coached, this is the scenario. They yeah. They think that they're the next LeBron James. You've not like- had you've not had it easy to get where you've been. What? First of all, were you that cocky kid back when
0: you were 13, 14? It's a two-part question. To be honest, to be honest, I was never, ever, like, a cocky player with basketball growing up because, like, all my friends, they, they didn't play basketball. Like, they were just, like, regular guys in the neighborhood that we used to go to school together and hang out with. So, like, when we would play basketball, like, when I would play against them, I would just try to, like, play around and not be so serious and stuff like that, like, just having fun with my friends. But, like, when I wanted to be serious with them, we would play, like, three-on-one or, like, two-on-one and stuff like that. But, like, I never, like, used to go around thinking I was better than nobody because my coach didn't teach that to us when we was young. You know what but I mean?
2: It's not so much you
0: are hanging out with the boys. And I'm sure you're
2: coaching now, and I'm sure you know exactly
0: what. Yes, kids are so <laughs> cocky, Mr. corn
2: So how do, how do you... And you changed your game to be part of the game. What do you tell a kid now that thinks he's all that and the next LeBron James? That...
0: This is what I tell my kids. I'm sorry to cut you off, Mr. Corn, because I dealt with that, like, my first year. like I, Like, when I came back to coach, I didn't expect kids to not want to listen to someone that did everything that they want to do. Like, I would expect, like, if I'm a kid and somebody played professionally and they come back to coach me, I'm going to be like a sponge to you. Like, I'm going to listen to everything you say. Like, not necessarily let you cuss me out and disrespect me, but I'm going to listen to everything you say because I want to be the best basketball player, best person I can. I see your life went amazing in playing basketball, coming from where we come from. So I'm going to try to do the same thing. So it's like, for the, it, it, I deal with two different aspects. I deal with a, the kid who think he hot stuff, who think he's the next LeBron James. And then I deal with the kid who just flat out just doesn't even have an idea of what's going on in the real world. Those kids like that, I just, like, if you're trying to be cocky and stuff like that, I, I kind of tell you, like, I mean, you, like, do you got any D1 offers? just the first question I ask them. Like, you 13, 14, whatever age you are, I, you got any D1 offers? Is any coaches recruiting you right now? Is any coach walking into your mom's living room begging for you to go to this school and at first i ask them, what is their purpose like you want to go to college you want to go you want to go to school for free and most of them say yeah and i say so you think if a coach come in here right now and walk in here and see you talking back to your coach or you acting that way they're gonna give you a scholarship and then sometimes they sit back and they think about it like i make them think rather than just shit on them like i can easily shit on them and be like bro like you're trash. You're never going, like, you're not that good. You need to get your attitude together. Bip, bop, bop. I literally say, like, if you want to impress a college coach, like, you ain't got to impress me. I've, I didn't did everything you want to do. So I'm not trying to live my life through you. So I really don't get mad at kids who want to be cocky. I just don't deal with them, or I deal with them accordingly. Like, you're not going to play for me if you think you're the next LeBron James, because I'd rather take a kid that don't know how to throw a rock in the ocean, but he'll be at practice on time. He'll listen. He'll get the team crunk, have everybody laughing, stuff like that. My first year, I had a fat kid on my team. He was a senior. He had tried out for the basketball team all four years and three years and kept getting cut. And I wanted to know why he kept getting cut. Like, I was like, there's no way this kid is getting cut because he's fat. Like, there's no fucking way. Like, this kid, attitude, personality, 4.0 GPA, like, why are you getting cut? So I put him on my team. He was about to quit a few times from running sprints. Didn't quit. I'm like, I got to do more background on him. He, he suffered with depression and anxiety. And I started talking to his mom. Um, man, her became really close. Uh, come to find out, man, his older sister went to high school together. Like, But she never played sports or nothing like that. Man, this boy was my captain. Three months, he lost 50 pounds. When he make a shot in a gym, people go crazy, ah, let's go. Like, like LeBron James got a dunk, but the best player on the team, I get the ball and they are like, man, pass the ball, swing the ball. So it's like kids like that, like now this kid got a good job. He working, you feel me, and stuff like that. He about to have a kid. This two years removed from high school, he got a good job working while his kids who thought it was the best thing, wasn't trying to listen to me. Still scratching around trying to go to college two, three years later. So why
2: I know this is gonna I know this is a really type of rhetorical question. But why do you guys coach?
0: I really coach to give kids hope. Like I give kids hope to feel like, all right, I wanna he did that and he gonna take time out to come back and help. Like that's gonna give me a little bit more motivation. Like I just try to motivate kids who come from a situation like me. Instead of them feeling hopeless or always walking around, making excuses like, well, I ain't got, I ain't got no gym or I ain't got no father or so I, I ain't got no help. Shit, I'm right here, fam. Like, yeah. I, I'm just trying to help you, you feel me? Like, I don't, I don't want no, I don't need you to get a D1 offer and that's going to help me get a job and nothing like that. Because, like, ever since I coaches found out I started coaching and stuff, like, coaches been wanting me to come to college and like be involved in that type of stuff. And I'm telling them like right now, like, I'm just trying to really help these kids in my city go to school right now. Like if I can go to a college and I can bring all the kids from my city there type stuff, like that's the type of stuff I'm on. But it's like, I'm trying to build a safe environment and uh, a comfortable and a, a good exposure like, program for kids to really, like, have an opportunity. That's all. Because, like, man, Steven, we was in junior college, and I was like, damn, if we'd have had the same resources, like, Sydney, Rub, and Ralph, and uh, mm-hmm. maybe Coach Vajanek would treat us different. You know what I mean? Like, it's all about who you know and what you know. So once, like, once, once you, like, the I, I've learned this playing at Mississippi and Delaware. If you're the best player or if you're doing good, whatever the case may be, people will love you. And I'm a people's person. So, like, once I got a chance to build relationships with donors and boosters and stuff like that, it was a wrap. Like, once I get to talk to these people, they get to see what type of person I am. man. they see this kid from Baltimore with all these tattoos, but he laughing, he cracking jokes. He soft-spoken, like, oh, yeah, I love this guy. I want to come watch this guy play every day, no matter like no matter what. So, like, I always carry myself in a humble way because I always tell kids, you don't ever know who you need or who you're going to run across in life again. So you know, pe- 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 people, people keep talking about coaching is always about X's and O's and stuff,
1: right? But in, in my humble opinion, and, and don't get me wrong, I'm not, I'm not, the, I'm, not um, I'm a bit of a hypocrite when I say this. I'll be straight tra- up honest. <laughs> but I'm, I'm big, I'm, I'm, I'm a little like for Janet, but I'm also a little little new school. I'm not going to lie. A little for Janet, a little new school. For me personally, though, I feel like, like the biggest thing a coach can do is give back to a kid without giving anything to that kid. Yeah. You know just be able without giving that kid's <laughs> way. Pardon? Without getting that kid's way. Exactly. More. So, I'm. I'm more so like people always think. Oh, you got to give people money in order to give back to them. No, you don't. You just got to be there for someone to talk to, to give a give a shoulder on to cry, to give give a tissue when when need be. You know what I'm saying? Those are the best coaches you could have. Because in my yeah. opinion, like like I had a coach back in high school, obviously. And that's kind of why, you know, I started RWI basketball now. And I'm sure that's why we you, you started HOH and we're going to get into that in a second. Um, but for me, though, like I had a coach back at, back in high school and he, he was just cool. He was an English teacher. He wasn't really the greatest basketball coach, but like he just, he understood me. Him and I had a good understanding with each other and we knew how to be able to communicate with each other. So because of that, it, it made myself to be able to play basketball a lot easier. And the film that I got to be able to show for Janik and show other coaches, Hey, if without that film, without him letting me do me, I couldn't do anything else. You know what I'm saying? So so with that being said, like, like first of all, I'm, I'm proud of you for, for starting hard Over Hype because you and I both know the type of journey you even have for yourself, and we already, already talked about it a little bit. Um, I still want to get into a little bit more of your basketball stuff, but for right now, since you're already on this topic, let's talk about HOH, and let's talk about, you know, what got you to this point? Because I feel like these kids need to hear this because you... <laughs> People die. I, I said this already, but people really don't understand the shit you went through when 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 you were in JUCO, bro. And the Yo. shit you even getting to JUCO. So Man, that's totally, kind of, that's totally kind totally of why, of that. like, that's like I always kind of <laughs> lean towards you to kind of you know, you you when you got in there. Yeah, we were the same age, but you had a year under your belt. So I would always kind of talk to you, say, "Yo, what am I doing wrong? You know, what what is do what's happening to me? What's going on with me?" You always give me the kind of great advice, and, and that's kind of why you know I really consider you as a brother. You know, I'm saying, still do to this day. So. Sure, so, talk to us a little bit about you know what, why you started Hoh, why you started Hard Over Hype, and that's a great name to even start for a program you know built by you.
0: Man, so basically, me and my cousin came up with this when I was overseas because my cousin he played basketball and he went to college in Canada. Actually, his name Alvin Parker. Um, you went to Lakehead. Yeah, yeah. You you
1: know Alvin Parker? No, no, no. But uh, you asked me about it back when when I was with you.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So that's my blood cousin and um he come from the same type of tough situations that I came from and stuff like that. Like our dads grew up together. um, And like, we just always been tight. And when he was overseas and I was overseas, we came back home and we did a summer camp Mm -hmm. at Digital Harbor. Basically like my old house, we just gave back that a camp. Um, And then the following summer, I wasn't home. I had signed to go to Australia. This was my first year in Australia. And he had did the summer camp, but he said, cause of, man, we got some kids that parents don't have nowhere to send them to play. And they want me to start a little team so they can play with us, like, so I can coach them. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: So I'm like, you ain't trying to come back overseas? He was like, man, he was like, I don't know, because I was like, I just think this, like, this can be something. So three years ago, we started HOH. I was still in Australia. Uh, We had two teams. We had a... Little high school team, and we had, like, a little kids team, I think. it's probably, like, sixth graders or something like that. Sixth graders. Mm -hmm. All right, fast forward three years later. We have, shit, 11 teams. Mm -hmm. We have girls teams, boys teams. We got a whole training program. We got an app. We got a podcast. We have um, Basketball Apparel. Um, and it's just, like, on the rise, like, be- and it's just, like, i never seen it blowing up like this. Like, mm-hmm. I've seen, like, because all my friends back here in the city got their own AU team, like, Will Barton, he got Team Thrill. they sponsored by Under Armour. That's, like, the top AU program in the city where all the top kids go at. And we also have my old AU team, Team Mellow, of course, sponsored by M- 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 Mellow and Nike. That's the uh other team that, like, everybody go to. But no other professional athlete in the city has like, tried to start a basketball team or start an AAU program or really kicking back money to an AAU program or really just being there, starting it. So we started there. Like, we got fourth grade boys and girls, fifth grade boys and girls. We got sixth grade boys and girls, seventh grade boys. 8th grade boys, ninth grade boys, and that team we started with, with the 6th graders, uh, that's, like, our elite ninth grade team now. Mm. Like, those kids is, like, on a different level. Like, so it's, like, we building that program, but it's, like, tough because you still – we don't have a sponsor like Adidas, Nike, Under Armour, and stuff like that. Like, we still building up to that because it takes time and – it just take, you got to keep using your resources and stuff like that. Like, I I love it, but my passion is really to, I think, I want to be a junior college head coach. Like, helping kids who don't, who, who, who got their grades in junior college but ain't actually got the looks, get them a second opportunity to go to a bigger school. Or guys that messed up at a big school, get them a second chance to go back. You know what I mean? Like, last chance. Giving somebody a last chance is, like, basically what I live by because I've had so many opportunities in life that I didn't mess up. Like, I didn't need four chances, three chances to get it right. Like, Mm. just give me one or two chances, and, like, that's all I know because chances don't come around that much. Not at all. So, like, when they come around, like, Juco was my second chance. Like, that wasn't my first chance. Like, Juco was my second chance, and it was, like, if I don't go D1 after this, I'm not going to play basketball. Low key, Duke like, low, low might have been your only chance. Yeah, it was. It was my only chance because if I went back home, I wouldn't have got a regular job at 18, 19 years old. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, like, people don't understand. Like, it's just, it's a grind. Like, and I appreciate my grind because I've played professionally for four years. I've played longer than anybody on that team has mm-hmm. professionally. I did better in D1 at my next school than anybody that was on those poke teams did. But I've never, like, compared myself to my friends or nothing like that. It's just, like, I just kept going, had a different path and stuff. Like, yeah. I didn't get caught up in the juco politics. Like, I don't know. I'm just but, I, just, I was lucky. I got lucky. But isn't,
2: there, isn't all about politics though?
0: Yes, it is,
2: really. But it's, not about, it's not about anymore the talent. It's about the politics. So how do you prepare, and Stephen, for you too, how do you guys prepare your, your kids of grade 11 and 12 not to fall into that politics and try to do you without being involved in that politics?
0: It's tough because of social media and, like, outside influences because you can tell your kids all uh, day, like, you just stay focused, like, don't worry about what other people, what offers other kids getting or who's recruiting who. Focus on you, focus on getting better on your game. But social media also, like, kind of, like, brainwashed these kids to thinking that they're sometimes actually putting in work when they really not. Like, now. You can post you doing two, three damn dunks or you hitting – people posting workout highlight videos and hoop session workout videos and stuff like that. And it's like, shit, if we was doing that when we was in Juco, we'd all be at Duke. <laughs> like, we all would be at Duke, you know what I mean? And it's like I, I never really get caught up in the social media frenzy. I try to tell my – like, I coach the Saints. I coach class of 2021, and it's because – I'm the most relatable, you know what I mean? Like, I'm the youngest, probably youngest coach out of, because we hire older guys within our AU program to coach our kids and stuff. So, like, I'm the one with probably the most experience with these seniors, these high school school kids can relate to me. Mm -hmm. So, it's like I try to tell them, like, sure they, like, you never know who watching. You feel me? You can go and have the worst game that you feel like you had on offense and did shit. But you coming out the game with your head high, you shaking everybody's hand when you go on the bench while your team out there playing, you still in tune with the game, you clapping and stuff like that. A coach will give you a scholarship based off shit like that. Yeah. Like I've seen Jarrell Joy could not throw a rock in the ocean. Had college coaches thirsting over him. Thirsting. And he would not throw the rock in the ocean. It was only because he knew what to do on the court, played defense, and he did his job. Like I try to tell I try to tell my guys like you don't need 20 it's, it's easy to have one coach wanting you rather than having 30 coaches want you. You don't want to be getting recruited by 30 schools. You and might there, want that That, that, that,
1: that, that brainwashed, you To be honest with you, it doesn't, it doesn't make you, it doesn't really humble you at the, at the end of the day. And, and and you know, you're 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 you, you hit that one spot on with that one because honestly, bro, like I, I mean, you and I both know somebody I'm not gonna say a name, but somebody that we played with, you know, every, every other damn day there was another coach in there and he thought he was the greatest Hot basketball stuff. player in the world, you know yeah. what I mean, and and, and in reality. He, he didn't tap into his talent. But, you know, when you have 30 different co- college coaches, university coaches coming your way. He had the
0: game. He had the skill set, but he ain't had this. Exactly. He ain't had that And, right none of that.
1: and that's the yeah. an issue, right? And and the fact remains that, you know, that's why, you know, it's a perfect time for you to, to really like, like, like the name you have, a over hype, bro, that doesn't say you more. <laughs> You know, because you didn't, you, you were never that guy that really had all the hype. You know what I'm saying? Like you said in the, oh. begin, in the beginning of this of this interview, you were in the, the 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 whatever the the library whatever it was called at the time, and you were in there doing your own work for yourself because shoot, nobody really cared about you. You know what I mean? Nobody cared about you, and that's that's a sad reality of that is that nobody cared, and and it didn't really matter how many times you're you know even some of your teammates didn't even really care, and that was that was you know you talk about your teammates to be relatable about that it's kind of just like, damn, I, I did it. You know what I'm saying? I did it, and now I'm trying to help you guys out to get, get this done. So, yeah. like, when I heard about your AU program, I'm not going to lie to you, bro. I, I, I'm not really, you know, I'm not saying I was going to cry or whatever, but I was emotional. I was emotional, <laughs> I was emotional because, because, to be honest with you, like, <laughs> like, like, I know how much work you put into yourself and how much work you put into, into your craft and how much work you put into even get to, you know, the next level of basketball and stuff. And one thing that, like, I always talk to my kids about as well, I didn't have the same luxury that you did to go play Division I. I played D2. I was lucky enough to, play, to play, go play D2 and whatnot. But I didn't have that luxury to go play D1. So I tell my kids all the time, I say, you guys have no idea who I used to play with. And that's the method that, that, that they don't understand. And that they're bad.
2: like, oh, bro. oh coach, you suck. Coach, though,
1: yeah. you suck. I'm like, that's fine. I could suck. But the facts remains remain is that when I see these kids and I see them, they're like, oh, I'm better than you. Great.
0: Yes, I want you to be better than me. I don't want you to be where I'm at. I want you to be better it than be the guy that I yeah. played with. They forget that one ingredient that you had, though, because it's a lot of people who would have folded in a situation like that you was in with us. Like, Mm -hmm. come on now, you the only white kid from Canada coming to a predominantly black team. All black people from the hood. Charleston, South Carolina, Philly, New York, Mm -hmm. Baltimore. You coming from Canada. You feel me so like... That already shows a different type of heart, a different type of determination, a different, a different type of grit. Because I went to Mississippi Valley, I went to Mississippi Valley State. We had a white boy from Wisconsin, Milwaukee. His name was Nate Bryant. Nate could hoop, but Nate was scary as fuck. <laughs> Terrified. I would not. Want, I didn't want to. I would never go to the bar with Nate. Never. Now you would think Nate was scared to eat the damn cafeteria. But, like, you fit in, like, you fit in, but everyone didn't accept you because that's just not how they are, you feel me? But, like, everybody, for the most part, everybody respected you, like, and respected how hard you went and the work you put in, you feel me? And even though you didn't play with us, like, people – still thought she was a cool dude you feel me up until like even when you left that time and they tried to like go in your room and stuff like like two or three people tried to go in your room i can't remember exactly who it was but it was we we had an idea of who the three people was mm. and i'm like yo chill like y'all y'all nah like, Y'all ain't ready to touch my man's stuff like so what that he's been gone for a couple of weeks you feel me i don't wouldn't want nobody to touch your stuff
2: mm.
0: you feel me and Put stuff back. That's why when I when you was telling us about the shoes and stuff, I was like, what the hell? Mm-hmm. Like, that still bothers me. Like, I still think about stuff like that to this day because it's like that Juco, like that Juco grind, like I'll be telling people like, when you were in a bad time in your life, like you find out who your real friends are mm-hmm. and you find out who really there for you, who really genuinely care about you and stuff like that. And I feel like Juco was a tough time for all of us. Well, not all lovers, because some of them thought that that was their D1. You know what I mean? Like, some of them thought that was the luxury life. But it was, like, the ones that had a clear conscience and knew what was going on, like, we we ain't think about the now. We thought about the future. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, and I never played basketball for recognition or like, I never even played basketball to want to get paid. Like, I just wanted to go to college for free, go to NCAA tournament. Like, I ain't start thinking about – becoming a professional until after my junior year mm-hmm.
2: well, let, me, let me if i don't mind if i can ask a quick question steven i think was 17 or 18 when he went to poke and i think you were the same age
1: i was 19 I was 19, 19
2: already i
0: was 19 already? 20. and what about you divine i was i went to poke i walked on poke campus i had just turned 18 years old it was like two weeks after my 18th birthday and I left when I was nineteen. I graduated college when I was twenty-one.
2: So, if you were to do it again, would you go to college right after high school?
0: Uh, yeah, for sure, for sure. You would right away, like you, you. Um, in America, like the rules are different. Like you can get paid when you go to college there, right? In Canada. Yeah.
2: But it wasn't. It wasn't so much. It wasn't so much. The question's not so much to get paid. The question's more of if you had another year of maturity behind you.
0: Oh, oh, okay. All right, would your okay,
2: game all right. would your would your game have been different?
0: I think I think if I was academically eligible and went to a D one right away, I wouldn't have a problem with shirt in my first year. Depends on what school I was at, because I don't think physically I was ready. Like, I didn't get, I didn't get taught the proper way to play defense in high school. Um, my on-ball defense wasn't that good. I just had excellent help side defense with, like, taking charges and blocking shots and, like, getting steals in the passing lane. But, like, my IQ on defense wasn't that up the par for me to be able to compete on a D1 level as a freshman, like, especially at 18 years old. But I don't like um, if, like I say, if I was academically eligible, I would have went to uh, possibly a prep school because that was an option too. But I I, I didn't go to a prep school because if I don't went to a prep school stay for a year, my GPA still wouldn't have been high enough for me to go D1. So the plan for my parents and the coach was instead of wasting that year, you can go straight to junior college and get your degree. That, that'd be good, you feel me? And you can go to a university that way. And the only way for me to go D1 was if I graduated JUCO. So I kind of wanted that pressure.
1: So th- but, let, 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 let's talk about now, you know, you, know, you, uh, you went JUCO. Sorry, you, were, you let's go from the beginning. Three-star, three-star, three- or four-star athlete out of Maryland. You went, to, uh, you went to junior college in Polk State. You went to Mississippi, Mississippi Valley, Mississippi State Valley, Mississippi Valley, one of those.
0: And then he went Mississippi to Mississippi Valley State. What, <laughs> just say MVSU. That's all.
1: There you go, Mississippi Valley State. <laughs> then he went to Delaware. To, is your senior year, and after that, you became a pro pro athlete. You know, one thing one thing that, that was really cool for me to see was, you know, you posted a picture um a while back ago. You were you were being coached in the summer league. You, 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 tried, you were you're playing with the Golden State Warriors. You know what I mean? And 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 you were coached by Steve Kerr and you know for me when i saw that i was like this lucky mother you know what i'm saying but like, <laughs> to be able like you said earlier you were taking yours taking is probably so much knowledge from him and, and i know sometimes excuse me but sometimes the the nba guys are on the bench so you know just talk to us a little bit about this two-part question talk a little bit about about that and then i talk about your journey of just how the NBA journey itself, I saw you try out for Utah Jazz. I saw you try out for Philly. I think it was Philly. I also yeah. saw you try out for, uh, for Golden State as well. So, so talk, just talk to us about that whole process of, of, of you know, getting to there and, and, and the politics. But not necessarily politics, it's the process of what you learn.
0: So, like, basically starting out with that whole, like, becoming a pro, um, it's a lot that comes into it rather than just calling yourself a pro. Mm-hmm. Because it'd be guys that call themselves a pro and don't have an agent, don't play overseas. And it's just like, how can you classify yourself as a professional? Because mm-hmm. if I'm a professional banker, I'm going to have financial advisor. You know what I mean? So um, it was like, for me, it was so many agents trying to get me to come with them. And like, I, like Facebook Agents hit you up from other countries. you thinking they frauds? you thinking they scammers and shit. So it's like it was a dude that hit me up. It's funny. I, it's, I, it was a dude that hit me up. So George Hill's agent mm. was my agent my rookie year. And um okay. fresh out of college, as soon as the season was over, he was like, DS, you got offer right now in French, in France, Pro-B. That's the second league in France for 60000 That's yeah. 6000 a month. So I was like, all right, I'll take it. (laughs) He was like, he was like, he was like, I don't think it's a good idea to sign so early. Not He was like, even before we do draft process. So I was like, well, I mean, I know I ain't really going to get drafted for real. Like, I ain't seen my name on no draft boards. I'm just being realistic. Like, I know my best option is overseas. So he was like, "Ah, you got some, you got some teams that's inquiring about you. You got about five or six teams that's inquiring about you. So I'm like, damn, for real? So... He was like, I'm going to set the workouts on and stuff. I had first one was Washington with the Wizards. Um, they play fast pace, so it was pretty much like a transitional workout, four on four, four court, three on three, four court. Who who, who, who was the coach at that time? It wasn't Scott Brooks. Who, who was the coach that time? Uh, it was right before Scott Brooks. My um, fucking camera. Old white guy, right? I, I didn't want to get drafted to the Wizards anyway, so... I wasn't really trying to get in tune with their front office. I was just really talking to Sam Cassell because he was from Baltimore. Mm. Sam was on their staff at the time. This was before he went to L.A. And um, it was Washington. After I left Washington, I went to Utah. Yep. Broke out of Utah, but I have asthma. So the altitude up there kind of fucked with my chest. Yeah. And I didn't know that until I seen one of the team doctors. And they was. T- I was like, why is it like? I've been fucking working out all summer. Why is it Like, I'm tired as fuck. Like, it's 30 minutes in the workout. Why am I fucking so tired? And then yeah. I asked one of the, I asked, like, I was working out. Kyle Anderson was my partner. And I was like, yo, is you, I was like, yo, is it me, yo, or is this, like, it's hard as shit to breathe in here. And he was like, oh, yeah, it's the altitude, bro, because he played at UCLA. Yeah. So he was like, yeah, it's the, the mountains and shit. And I was like, oh, all right, I ain't trying to come out here. But, like, <laughs> I remember, uh. Utah workout was super easy. Um, Philly workout was so unorganized. That shit was like five on five. That's it. Then they were still in the process of like re a gym and all that type of shit. So it was like, and it was ass. Then I went to Denver. So I didn't didn't even want to, Denver is my favorite team since I was a kid. Mm -hmm. So I did not want to miss that workout. But at the same time, it was two days before the draft. So I was like, if y'all motherfuckers not drafting me, what do y'all want me to come work out for? Yeah. So it was me and KJ McDaniels. So apparently they probably wanted to draft KJ, just wanted to see how he competed with somebody, whatever the case may be. And um, it was cool. They didn't even fucking draft KJ. Um, and I didn't even work out for the Warriors. So the draft on, I'm at Denny's with my family, just eating, chilling, not even because of, cause of the draft. Like, it's not a draft party or nothing like that. Mm-hmm. We just all out vibing and shit. Draft over. Literally 30 minutes after the draft, my agent called me like, yeah, Golden State want to invite you to Summer League. And I'm like, what? Golden State? I was like, mm-hmm. how they know about me, though? Like, I need to work out for them, mm-hmm. type shit. He was like, well, yeah, they want you to come up for Summer League. Flew me right to Vegas and met Steve Kerr, um, Justin Holiday, Harrison Bonds. Uh, Draymond was there, but I, I wasn't really like, I'm not like i uh, I'm not like a groupie when it comes to like meeting professional athletes or celebrities and stuff, yeah. so I ain't about to force a conversation with you, like if we don't if you don't say nothing to me, I'm not going to say nothing to you or if we're not in the same type of conversation I'm just not going to go out my way to try to like say what's up or nothing like that, sure. so um, Festus Azili was on our team and stuff like that um, and it was fun, but it was political um, because Coach, like, already knew who was going to play, all that, based off of a piece of paper. And, like, the more I would dip, because I asked a lot of questions. My first year, I used to ask a lot of questions. Like, I used to ask the fucking trainer question, assistant coach, because we had Alvin Gentry. We had Luke Walton running out of stretch in the summer yeah. league. Luke Walton running out of stretch, bro. That's and I'm cool. like, at this time, I'm like, Why is Bill Russell's son, like, I mean, why is Bill Walton's son here? Like, like, it's all about who you know. Like, bro, you only here because you played for the Lakers, you plugged in with the Lakers, you know what I mean? you from the West Coast side, and you plugged in through your dad. Like, I'm sitting here thinking, like, what does this man know about coaching? Like, it it hasn't met my eye, feel me? So...
1: Did did did, um, did 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 that change? Did that change? What did you, you start talking to him
0: and whatnot? Or you still feel the same way? I still feel the same way. <laughs> yeah, still feel the same way. But Steve was like, I was a sponge to Steve. Like I used to ask Steve a plethora of questions, and um, he was real nice and kind, and like when he would tell us stories about different stories in the NBA, and that was his first year coaching too. Mm-hmm. So he was still trying to find his way as well. Like even though we had summer league guys, he's still using us as a mock for how he's going to act with his players and stuff yeah. like that. Like, yeah. so, and, like, how he would, like, talk in the timeouts and stuff like that. Like, even when I wasn't in the game getting time, it was, like, three games I didn't even get in. Mm-hmm. And we played six, you know what I mean? And it was, like, it was times I didn't get in and he's, like, coaching the guys up and I can see how he talk. And I'm just waiting for him to get frustrated, like, how I would expect the NBA coach to be. Mm-hmm. Like, and it was completely opposite. And um, they asked me to, um, they wanted me to go to that G League team. But before Summer League I already they knew and my agent knew that after Summer League I wasn't gonna stay in Santa Cruz mm-hmm. and um, go play for that G League team. I wanted to get some damn money. Like Yeah. I went to Italy, you feel me, and that's when my career took off. And that's when you went to
1: um what is it what is it? You went to a play overseas, you were pay overseas yeah, at, was, at that point.
0: Yeah, I was in Italy, then I left Italy, went to Iceland, um, after Iceland, I went to Hungary, and I got injured. And um, after Hungary, I was out for seven weeks, and that's when I went to the G League. That's really what I, what I wanted to do anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, I just wanted to go to the G League after I got, like, a year under my belt overseas. Mm-hmm. And that's when I noticed, like, yeah, this shit's super political. Like, I was with the Boston Celtics G League team. Mind you, that team was already top in the league. Mm-hmm. They were already nice, and they already had massive rookies. R.J. Hunter, Ty Roselle, Jordan yeah, Mickey, yeah, 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 Malcolm yeah. Malcolm Miller. Malcolm Miller, Malcolm Miller was on the team. Malcolm Miller is from Maryland, and he won a championship. Malcolm, Malcolm Miller's on the Raptors right now. Yeah, I know. You he, he know he's from hey, Maryland. Hey, he, he,
1: he won a ship, by the way. Put
0: some respect on the Raptors. Hey, hey, Malcolm is that drill. Malcolm is the real deal. Yes, like, he he, he he's the real deal. He was on my team in the G League destroying people, like, you play, you, wins, you, you, you play
1: with you. play you. You play with a lot of guys actually in the G League. I was actually about to ask you that too. You play with uh, Siakam's brother. You play with James Siakam. You play with uh, uh who you play? You, you play with uh, what uh, was it? Lonnie Wood. No, not Lonnie Wood. Uh, Wood. Uh, he's on Detroit right now. You
0: talking about Christian? Christian, Christian Wood. Christian
1: Wood. You play with Christian Wood. You play with my uh, big
0: fella. That's my dog, right? Yeah, man. yeah. Christian you, you so like funny. I told you before.
1: You and my my dad knows about him too. You play with Grandy you tried out for with Grandy yeah, Grandy.
0: yeah, I know, yeah, Grandy, Grandy was there. Yeah. Um who else? Um I played Baron Davis was my point guard though when I was. I remember that. Yeah. Baron Davis, a 40-year-old point guard. I, I, I seen that. I, I seen that. I was like, what the hell? It's super cool, man. I flew out to Cali that year with my birthday with him. I remember <laughs> that. Like it was it was a good time. And like in those situations when you're not like a cocky guy, when you're not an arrogant person, when you just yeah. be yourself and just be a natural you. Like, once you're already in that circle of people, you don't have to act no different. Like, yeah. it's either they going to bang with you or not. Like, I used to be, Terry was in Me, Ty used to be kicking it. Me, Ty, um, uh, uh, who else was on my team? I had the point guard from Oregon State. Um, uh, His name was something. Well, but then he went to, he went to, Webber. no, I had uh, Amari Johnson. Amari mm-hmm. Johnson, he was like a four man that went to Oregon State. Shot, shoot the three a lot. I had a, another point guard that went to, um, did he go to, was it Ole Miss? You had, a, um, you, 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 you had Jordan McCray on your team too. Yeah, no, 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 I never played with Jordan. Jordan had got, he got, got called up by the time I went to Philly. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. So um, it was, it was a lot of people that I played with that like, you just build those relationships with people like, and if you're a cool person, they're going to they gonna fuck with you, and they're going to show you respect, and they're going to remember you and stuff. Like, yeah. Australia Australia was the best time of my professional career. Well, um, that, that, they're, they're, they're,
1: there's not that many politics in in, in in overseas. I I feel like there's a lot less politics. Oh, I mean, there's, there's definitely politics. There's definitely politics, but I feel like there's a lot less politics. They will politics.
0: send you home. They will send you home if y'all <laughs> lose, and they say get 20 and you have 16. They will send you home. So you better what? go over there with a good-ass agent. Like, my main thing for me was make sure my agent is, like, people overseas look at my agents, like, they in the mob.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Because if you know that people is bringing in good customers and they can tarnish your brand, you're never going to play with them. Like, yes. I've always got paid on time. I've always been on good teams. Like, I've never been – my living situation's always been good. I always had a car. Like, when I was in fucking Italy, I had a car and a bike. They was like, pick your poison. You can ride to practice sometimes or you can drive. Like, it don't matter. (laughs) the same distance. (laughs) You'll figure that out. (laughs) Italy, when I was in Australia, I had a a house and two cars. Oh, Like, they just literally take care of you if you take care of what you need to take care of. And I'm a businessman. First, when I go overseas, like, I'm invested in the communities overseas. I don't just go over there and be like, I'm going to stay my ass home. I'ma practice if y'all don't pay me on time. I'm not gonna practice, mm. or I'm only coming. I'm coming around for team events, and I'm all like being boring or giving bad vibes. Like, nah, these people was paying their money to come see us play. Mm. Like, so, and I actually like this being around the kids. So we doing catch, I went to, when I went to Australia. My team won the award for the whole year of like the best fan base or like the most fan support. Like, I used to be so involved with the community, bro. Like, we doing camps. All camps you to be sold out and shit. Like, because I'm just playing with the kids, running around, playing with the kids. I'm, I'm going to Special Olympics. I'm going to take pictures at the Garden with the mayor. Stuff like that, right? Like, yeah. Anything that doesn't, that doesn't have anything to do with basketball. Like, that's what they love overseas. If somebody asks you to do a favor and it has nothing to do with basketball, that scratch your ass for the rest of your life if you ask them to.
1: Oh, the Pink City Classic. You know, Pixie Classic is every year for uh, breast cancer. We definitely give back to the Prentice Margaret Foundation every single year. Uh, last year, we were actually able to raise $4,600 uh, for the cause, and we were able to give a lot of it back. Like you said yourself, you give back to Terry as well. and give back stuff like that too. So um, definitely, we definitely like to be able to have your team, you know, the HOH over here for a uh, for basketball tournament to come down here and see what it's like and We'll give you guys some work. You might, might give us some work. It might be a little back and forth because shit. just good experience, you, bro, that's all. For, for, for me to be able to coach against you, bro, that would be fun as hell. I ain't going to lie to you, bro. so
0: fun, bro. That would be so fun. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, <laughs> like, win, lose, a draw. Like, it's like n- I'm not playing. So, I'm I'm competitive as a coach, but. I'm going to still talk shit to you, bro. What the hell do yeah, you like, mean? I look, I look at, it like, because me, like, I um, Like, as a coach, how the coach I want to be. Like, the type of coach I want to be, for real. Like, I don't, like, I want to be that coach, like, how my college coach was. Like, I want to be enthusiastic about what's going on and stuff like that. But I still want to respect the game and respect the players and respect, like, coaches and, like, respect, try to respect officials and stuff like that. Like, I got so many texts my first year, like, cussing out refs. (laughs) <laughs> and stuff like that because of, yeah. of not being professional, of yeah. them not being professional, not me. Yeah. Like, I'm, like, asking them, like, excuse me, ref, can, like, you know you can't ref with that type of shoes on or you know that that's a violation. Like, you can't do that. Like, I've been around. I, I kind of know the rules a little bit. Like, in some, like, me being a young coach in my city, some refs was doing some, like, chump stuff or yeah hating and stuff like that. So I kind of don't even be, like, for me, I just be wanting the kids to go hard. Like, even when we be playing against other teams, and, like, say I another kid on other team fucking one of my players up. Mm. Oh, that's a tough move. Good move, shorty. You feel me or oh, Good shot. Because I'm, like, never going to hate no other kid playing on another team or, like, yeah. try to talk trash to the kid or talk trash to their parents and stuff like that. Like, I don't, I'm don't i not in it for that. I don't care because I'm going to want to fight somebody, like, mm. I just want these kids to hoop. Like I don't care. You make you could be on other team making good moves. Oh yeah, I like Shorty game coach. Shorty tough. Mm. Like I'm I say that in the game. Like, hey yo, Steve, what great Shorty is. Shorty nice. Mm. <laughs> like, like something like that. He'll be still yeah. crushing my players. I'm and not gonna
1: I'm, like, I'm, 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 I'm not I'm not gonna lie to you. Last year, last year around this time actually, I was coaching in high school. They they let me go over over some some BS. So I'm not gonna lie to you, it was some BS. What Whatever. So they, they let me go. We were playing a team. We were down by 40. In the third quarter, it was maybe like, could we play eight-minute quarters? So, yeah, we too. Or, or I think it was 10-minute quarters. I don't remember if it was eight or 10 minutes. I don't remember nah, exactly eight, what it eight. Was. We played eight in high school. Yeah, we played in high school. So I think, I think, I think right now we're, we're in the third quarter. Uh, we transitioned a minute over because we didn't finish the second quarter properly. So they, they took that last minute, put it in the third quarter. We were down 40 points to, to a team getting killed, murdered. I told my guys, I said, yo, game over. You're done it, it sparks something because when you play with them mentally a little bit, they start to say, it could go both ways. It can go, oh, our coach gave up on us. Or it could say, yo, we got to go. So I didn't necessarily tell them, like, we're done. What I told them was, is this really how you guys want to go down right now? Y'all want to go lose by 40 points after we just lost yesterday by 40 points? So y'all want to lose again by another 40? Yo, I kid you not, bro. We came out, there was four minutes left to go in the, in the, in the third quarter. Charge, three, charge, three, charge, three, charge. Bro, we cut that lead down to eight points, you know what I'm saying? We cut the lead down to eight points. After that, they hit a, they hit a couple tough shots. I'm not going to lie, they hit a couple tough shots. And just like you said to a kid, oh, good hit, shorty, whatever it was. Sam and I was like, damn, that was a tough shot. That was a good shot, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because the first thing for me, first, is I'm still a player, bro. i still, I thought yeah. that competitive spirit in me. You know, I want, I want to coach the best team. I want to be the best coach. I want my kids to get to the best, the best colleges, the best schools. You know what I'm right. I, I, want, I want my, I want what's best for my program. You know what I'm saying? So for me and itself, I always gotta look at it and say, how can I be better than everybody else? Because there's so many coaches out there right now. You know what I'm saying? There's there's mm-hmm. you, there's every different AU program in the United States. There's Compton Word. Magic, for instance, everybody wants to play against. There's the the, the, the EYBL, the Under Armour Circuits, Adidas Gauntlets, there's all the different things, and even down here. That's in so Canada.
0: We're playing Adidas Gauntlet. Hey, everyone's gonna
1: start there, bro. I feel like I feel like that's like no, and I'm, and I'm not trying to sh- uh, throw no shade, but everyone, everyone, everybody got
0: started. Yeah,
1: everybody got started. The Adidas got left first to make their way up to the EYBL and, right? and yeah. stuff like that. As long as, you, as, long, as long as you're in a circuit, people don't
0: care. As long as you play in a circuit, as long as you plan in, in, in competitive tournaments, like, and exactly. you having a chance to perform. Like, one thing about us, we don't put our team and shit that we know they're going to get every game with by 30, 40. Like, in high exactly. school, we don't got a choice. You feel me? It's just a couple high schools that's just way better than the rest, like Polly. Exactly. Polly got fuck, They just had a kid on their team that's going to Marquette. Another kid on their team that's going that got offered by Ole Miss. They got a mm-hmm. uh, top five sophomore in the country. Mm-hmm. Six six left-hand point guard on their damn team. They're like, that's they got college players on their team already. Like when we played them, they beat us <laughs> up. And, and, and it's tough to tell you guys. All right, guys, so uh, we're going to go out today and uh, we're going to work. No, it, it ain't. Out. No, it ain't.
1: No, 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 no. no. What, 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 what I'm saying is more so like like you, you could, I mean, as a coach, I would tell my guys, I don't care who we're playing against. If we're playing against LeBron, Kobe, I mean, recipes, Kobe, but LeBron, Kobe, Melo, Dwayne Wade, and Chris Bosh, I'm still saying we're going to win this game. But when they look right. at them dunking in the layup lines, they're looking at them dunking all that stuff, they're like, it's, they, they get that intimidation factor. They start looking back at it saying, damn, are we really going to beat them, then they start seconding themselves out. I, I, I got to call a timeout sometimes, and I hate use my timeouts for the first two, three minutes of the game. I hate doing that, to be honest with you. But I thought totally I got to call a timeout when we're down 10 nothing or 12 nothing,
0: whatever it is. Like, Yo, what's and, it's going all on? About, and it's all about preparation. Like, I learned that throughout my, like I say, my first year coaching and stuff. You got to prepare your team, even if y'all playing against the good teams or the sorry teams, because yeah. if y'all going against a nice team, they're going to go out there and be like, oh, well, shit, we ain't got no chance to win. Exactly. Anyway. And then exactly. they're going to go out there against a sorry team and be like, oh, we great, fuck them up. We ain't got, whatever we do, we're going to win. Exactly. So it's like, you, like, you got to have some type of structure and some type of game plan throughout each game. Like for me, I made game plans so that my players could, I could keep it simple. Y'all know what tasks we need to complete for this game mm-hmm. rebound, yeah. box out, limit our turnovers. For stuff sure. like that. For sure, for sure, for sure. me And at the end of the first quarter, we can be down fucking 40 to zero. Mm. But I'm not gonna be like y'all out there playing like some shit. Y'all playing soft. Maybe in my earlier days, I would say that. I'ma say, all right, listen, these are the three keys right here that I stated before the game. These are the three keys to win. Are we playing? Are we defending? No. Are we rebounding? No. We giving up too many second chance shots. Are we defending? No. We failing too much. Are we hitting that extra man for the open shot? No, we forcing it. So everything that goes into getting an ass whipping yeah. goes into the game plan yeah. because that's why teams in the NCAA tournament, you be the 16 seed, beating the motherfucking number one seed. Exactly. The game plan. Them players ain't better than y'all one by one. Yeah. It's the game plan. So I never get stuck on telling my team how much good another team is. You feel me? Because at... At this point, we're in high school. We know who good. We know who ain't. So I'm a transparent motherfucker. Like, when we played poly, I told him, I said, if y'all, if, if, we followed, if we followed the game plan, it's a possibility that we can win. Mm-hmm. You got to follow the game plan and you got to do a little bit more. But if y'all go out there not following the game plan, intimidate, they're going to me, they gonna whip y'all ass. Yeah. And there's nothing That's I can fact. do for you. That's a fact. My team played hard. They tried to execute, but we just couldn't get over that hump. But... I mean, we still ended up losing by 30, but I wasn't disappointed in my team. And that's the thing, and, 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 that's, and that's the thing too that that you know people
1: need to understand as well is if your team gives 110 percent, I don't care if we lose by 100, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's when it's when you it's when you start watching people walk in the paint, make easy layups, not get out of the like, Let's not- be
0: real, no, Steve. Let's be real, bro. When a team ever giving 100 percent, it's either they winning or they gonna lose a close game, right? Like, Exactly. Giving giving 100% and they getting fucked up by 20, 25, bro. Yeah. They, like, but but so I, I mean,
1: there have been games where, where I've been in and I'm like, yo, this team is, this, this team is better. They're better all the yeah, way around. They're they're, better. they're 10 deep. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm, my team might be like three to four deep. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, especially our my first year I started coaching, we were not that good. They're just all around better. They're taller. They're more skilled. They're yeah. more athletic. They're just... They just knew how to play the game of basketball. This ain't so, ready? Yeah. Exactly. So but if you give a 100 if you give it 100% the way, I know you guys give 110 percent and we lose by 50, 60, 70 points. All right. I'll take that loss. Yeah. But it's when we move, we lose 60, 70 points and we're not that we're not 60, 70 points worse than them and we're only giving 50, 60% that effort to me at that point is just like, "Nah, we we done. We done." Yeah,
2: yeah. Cuz I just really
0: hold I really just hold my players like I just, I, I like, I'm really accountability type of person. Like, in my mm-hmm. coaching, like, I don't make excuses. It's all about being prepared. You feel me? If you prepare, you're prepared, you're going to perform. Exactly. And if, you, if you're if not prepared, you're not going to perform. Like, exactly. that's all it is. Like, so exactly. when my players be out there getting out mad and shit, when they be missing shots or messing up, and I just be like, sure, day, you ain't been in the gym. Yeah. So you shouldn't yeah. be mad at nobody but yourself or start working out. Yeah. Like, because I ain't mad at you. Like you sure. mad, I'm mad? I ain't mad. I knew what I was getting out you. You feel For me? Sure. For sure. So For it's sure. like once you really make their ass think and observe, is either they gonna eat or they gonna get eaten. You feel so me? So one one last thing
1: that we're gonna talk about,
0: and then and then I'm gonna let you go.
1: You're now a father. You're now a father, man. You're father of two, correct? Yes. Father of two. You know what I'm saying? And and and. First of all, God bless you and God bless your family for, you know, during this time and and even to to have a father like you as well. Like, like it's, I'm sure that I'm sure they're just as humble as you are to have them as your kids. You know what I'm saying? But um, just talk to me a little bit about, you know, just being a father in general and the difficulties that you've experienced. Because you have two daughters, right?
0: Yep. You know
1: what I'm saying? The difficulty of having two girls, so.
0: Man, it's to be honest, like it's it's it's, it's, it's more relaxing, kind of, at an early age and having boys, um, at an early age because at an early age boys is off the chain. Yeah, I heard. But like just having kids, um, I had my first daughter when I was a senior at University of Delaware, and I was watching her be born on Facetime because I was in Charleston, South Carolina, during a conference game. So it was just like being a parent, just like my life. I just feel like it got better once mm-hmm. I had kids, because when you're having your down days or when you upset or you frustrated or you're going through shit, your kids right there they just give you that happiness, give you that unconditional love that everybody desires. you know what mm-hmm. I mean, men and females. So it was like having a relationship with my kids and actually spending time with them. And that's why I stopped playing overseas so early because I always say, like, I'm going to play overseas until my daughter say, come home. Yeah. So there's one my daughter say, it's time to come home or whatever. I will put all this stuff down and focus on that. Mm-hmm. And um, my daughter, when I was in Australia, she just kept saying, you, when you coming home? You coming home yet? And she was like, she was three. You know what I mean? She was just, like, getting to that stage where she just, was tired of seeing her far for a couple months and then, you know what I mean? So I just, like, I wasn't fully happy overseas without my kids. Like, I would yeah. rather want to be around my kids and with my kids and stuff like that than just playing, being free, and just sending money home and all that. Like, so, like, once I started, like, coming home, well, once I stayed home and just started being around my kids more and spending time with them and stuff like that, man, it's just been fun watching them grow up, and just <laughs> seeing them act do stuff that I do, and just having two smart, intelligent girls that's just got so much potential, you know what I mean? And it's For sure. It's good to see, you know what I mean, having healthy babies and, I'm just, I just can't wait to see if they're going to want hoops when they get up, grow, grow up. That's For all. sure, for sure, for sure. Honestly, you know, definitely,
1: it was, it was great catching up with you, great talking to you, and thank you for taking us down your memory lane. Thank you for taking us down in what you're doing these days. And it, like I said, it's been about, I think, nine years since I seen you last, you know what I'm saying? We've definitely kept in touch, and, and it's great to see what you're doing these days. And I'm happy for you, bro, and, and everything that you started and everything that you've done definitely shows who you are as a person, you are as your character i um, so happy to, to, that you're doing well and staying safe and being a father, a teacher, fuck, a teacher. You know, you're a coach <laughs> now and, and you're pro-hooper as well. So just kind of be able to show, shed some light and shed some dreams on on these kids up of, of I appreciate I appreciate you taking that time to talk to us today.
0: Anytime, bro. You know, I got you covered,
1: Joe. Anytime, bro. I appreciate that, man. I appreciate that.